I'm Andrew Haynes, and this is the Fair Game Podcast, the place where we talk about all things golf. This episode came together in a pretty funny way. While checking out Zyre Golf on Instagram, as we all do, we saw a post about a one-of-a-kind golf experience at an Airbnb rental that came with its own golf course. After diving deeper down the Insta rabbit hole, we found out this post came from a page called at Courses You Need to Play. These guys are taking a fresh approach to golf course recommendations by highlighting affordable and accessible tracks in an approachable format on social media. We slid in the DMs to get them on the pod to learn more about each of them and the genesis behind their page. Thankfully, they said yes. So, let's get started. Great to have you guys on. I didn't realize you guys are three, but which is cool because I think it makes a, now we have a legit foursome, which is sick. How long have you guys known each other? So me and Bo, uh, we've been friends since like we were three years old. I moved to you know his neighborhood when I was three and we just became friends ever since. Our moms made us hang out with each other. And uh, yeah, so we, we've been lifelong friends. We were actually each other's best men at our wedding. Nice. And so it's, it's been a, it's been a long friendship there. And then I guess me and Noah have met kind of in the past couple of years. Um, he, he moved up. We kind of moved out to Nashville during the same time. Our wives became friends and then we became friends. And so I feel like I'm kind of like the middleman here between, between the two, Bo and, and Noah, but it's been, it's been good. Yeah. Noah and I, we've known each other, uh, not, not for too long. Uh, no, only, a, only a few, a few months, months actually. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And then did you guys, so obviously two of you guys have known each other for a very long time. Uh, and all of you have been playing golf just, but separately your entire lives or, or no. Ish. I mean, um, I think I can speak for us all when we've kind of, we started golf in our later years, I think. Um, so I think all within, I think we all just started playing in college. Um, we're all the same age. I'm, I'm 26. Um, Cameron, I think is 27, Bo 26, 27. So yeah, the last few years of college, we started playing and, uh, kind of got the bug ever since and, uh, can't get enough of it. A little, nice. a little different for me. Um, I actually started when I was really young with, I played to junior golf. My dad is like super into golf. And so he got me in it. Uh, when I was young, took a little bit of lessons here and there. Um, used to go to the driving range with him at night and, you know, go hit balls at the range under the spotlights. Um, and then I kind of had like a, a falling out, I'm not a falling out with golf, but I stopped playing because I, I did other sports in high school. I, I played volleyball in high school and then, uh, stopped playing golf. And then I got back into it in college. Kind of like Noah was saying, I actually worked for a country club in college. Uh, so I got to play a decent amount there. Um, and then I moved to Nashville after going to school and kind of had that same like little falling out. I didn't really have anybody to play with until Noah moved out. And then uh, Noah was like, dude, we got to go golf. And we've been golfing almost, I would say almost every weekend since. Yeah. At least, at least once a week, just about. That's fantastic. I'm very, I'm very jealous of the weather that you guys have. Like, what are we, what are we looking at today? I'm guessing today is a golf day for you. 60s? Unfortunately not. Yes. So yesterday it was 65. Um, a little bit of wind, but bearable today. It's like, I mean, you still, you can golf in the forties. I think it's 43 degrees right now. Yeah. 43 degrees, but it's sunny. Um, but yeah, I don't think anything like New York. I mean, today is like warmish. It's like mid forties. I, if, if I wasn't 
working or busy working and I had a chill day, I would play golf today. You just, you put on the like the full quilted fit and get out there because we're crazy and you have no choice. So, you know, what, what are you going to do? <laughs> it might be helpful to add too. So Cameron and Noah, they're in Nashville and then I'm the oddball out who, uh, who's stuck in Arkansas. So they, they get to go golfing with this wonderful weather. Uh, but yeah, today it's, it's really cold too. And, uh, it's sunny though. As long as it's sunny, I feel like you can try to get out, which, uh, which is fun. Yeah. So we all went to college in Utah though. So, I mean, you can only play golf in Utah half the year, <laughs> but I, kid you not, I have, I have played in legit blizzards before. Like it's that obsession, like you and your buddies go out, you don't really care. You just want to get out on the course and play it and you will do anything in any circumstance. For sure. A quick question about just cold weather conditions. Are you one of those guys that puts on the two gloves, like the foot joy weather, weather tech? No, you're just like, no, I'm not doing that. No, no way. Stick to the classic one glove, but I've never right. put on two gloves. So confession. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> last time me and Noah went out and played in cold weather, we were all bundled up. We got like the beanies going. I started out the round with my two gloves. I put one like you know, glove on my left. Hand. <laughs> right, no, I, put, I put two gloves on, and, and um, yeah, no. I don't remember did. that. How did I not give you crap for that? I don't know. It, it's in one of our videos, and yeah, it's just funny. But. That is funny. I mean, it it is one of the things that I've thought about doing, but I'm like, don't. I'm like, don't be that guy. Like, just don't. Just don't do it. How do we feel about those? Uh, like, how do we feel about the golf mittens? You know, the like. Everybody makes them like the big, like Titleist, like the big, like, like mitten mittens. Like oven mittens? Pretty much. Yeah. No, and I saw the Golf Galaxy the other day and I was just <laughs> never going to buy those. But <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. Well, help the game. Mike. Oh, my gosh. Right. I, I bought a set of them like years ago and I feel like I used them one time and something about it felt like you do feel like you're wearing oven mitts when you're playing golf and just. The, the act of taking them on and off is more annoying to me and cold. So you just don't, you just don't do it. So now I don't buy that shit. So I don't know. It's like that plus like, I don't know how we got on this weather kick. It's that plus hot hands. Like I bought a box of hot hands. Like you, those things that you shake and put in your pockets. You just, yeah, you buy all this stuff and then you don't use it, which is like, I guess just is how it goes. Anyways. Uh, so the reason why I wanted to have you guys in the podcast. So I love, for me, like Instagram is basically LinkedIn. Um, and I saw that Zyre Golf uh, reposted you guys. And I was like, oh, these guys are cool. And then I went to your page and I was like, oh, these guys are dope. And I like what you guys are doing. So I wanted to have you on and just like learn more about one, just the, the Genesis idea of, you know, what, what made you guys want to kind of start this page. Uh, for me, I think there's, I don't want to say that uh, golf was missing this notion of like people profiling courses. Cause when you think of the golf digest top 100, like there are people and outlets that are talking about courses, but I think you guys are bringing a fresh perspective to how you are educating and informing the golfers of like courses that are out there. You're not just talking about the top 10 that we've all heard a lot about. Like you're talking about those like really special, really cool hidden gems. And I thought that was fun and you're doing it in a really cool way on a platform where everybody's at. So I wanted to meet you guys and and learn more. So yeah, what's, what's the Genesis story of like, you know, you guys starting this page courses you need to play. Yeah. Um, I would say the origin story starts. So 
the funny thing is it kind of started as like a competition with a group of friends that we had me and Bo specifically, we, we, um, had a group of friends that were starting this business competition to see who could make the most amount of money in six weeks. Uh, just uh, as a side note here, we have not made that much money with this. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we lost that competition real quick, but um, it, it kind of just turned in. So yeah, it started out as a competition with, with some friends. And me and Bo were sitting down together trying to figure out like how we can go about, you know, having fun and providing value for people at the same time. And, you know, obviously we'd love to get paid from it. Um, but the main thing was just, you know, I think Bo was the initial guy that came up with the idea. Like, what if we just came up with, you know, this Instagram that we highlighted golf courses around the world and around the country. Um, and so me and Bo didn't really on like my wife's, you know, got an Instagram and she does the whole Instagram thing. I'm not like huge on Instagram. I don't really, you know, consider myself a, you know, Instagram person much. Um, but you know, we came up with the ideal courses you need to play. We're like, should it be golf courses you need to play? Should it be, you know, we came up with a few of the names and my wife's like, no courses you need to play. That's it no need to put golf in front of it. Like it's just way too long. Just go for it. Just do it. And it was funny because our first few videos, they suck so bad. And you can go back and look at them. They, they are terrible. We go back all the time and look at them and we're just like, we send them back and forth to each other. Like, Oh my gosh, can, can you believe we did it like this before? And, um, and so the funny thing is though, our first like five videos got over a hundred thousand views and we had like no followers. We didn't know what we were doing. We were just messing wow. around trying to figure it out. And we're like, okay, so maybe this is a good idea <laughs> and maybe we can take this somewhere. <laughs> and, um, you know, we've been continuing to like refine our videos, re refine uh, the process that we have in place. We brought no on about a month and a half later, um, to, you know, help with the load of videos. We were doing two videos a day at the start and that mm -hmm. was a lot of work, yeah. but we've definitely mm -hmm. seen the fruits of our labors and we that growth that we wanted to see with those two videos a day and you know we cut it back now we, we're doing about one one or two every once in a while a day thank um, goodness yes <laughs> it, it was a lot people of don't realize like the effort that goes into those videos like i have I a whole do. new respect yeah. for influencers now because it's like <laughs> we, we spend easily two to three hours on a video like and when you're doing that twice a day and you have full-time jobs in between it the wife gets a little uh you need, need to pay more attention to the wife yeah, it is. You're right. It is one of the things where, and I've had many conversations with people about this, but like making, and I'm not complaining for the listeners here, but like making content and like doing things and shooting things. And like, I'm a designer, like I've been a graphic designer for 15 years. So like, I understand this, this idea of you make things and the, the speed at which these things are consumed is so fast like the, the like, like, wh like, what is the return on investment here from a time, you know, overall experience perspective? Like I used to work at a magazine and sometimes I had this like sense of realization where, you know, we'd make, it was like this beautiful biannual, like premium $20 magazine that we made like gear and all these like long profound stories and stuff. And we're doing like photo shoes and like, I'm flying to London to print it on a nice paper. And then one moment I had, I had a realization where it's like, you know what, like the average person that buys this magazine, if they even decide to spend $20 on the magazine, is probably reading this thing on the toilet. And like, 
they're just, they're just flipping through it while they're while they're taking a poop. And that's not bad, but it it just really it kind of like level sets like, okay, like we want to do something cool here and like I'm going to put a lot of time into it to make it dope, but like sometimes the the ratio of like consumption to uh, creation doesn't doesn't line up. But anyways, but you want to make it cool, so we do it. So we do what we do. I'd I'd add to one of the things that was was really cool, Andrew, is we first started off with golf courses under $100. Because one of the things that we noticed was like, we would see these sick videos of like Pebble Beach, right? And it's like, okay, I want to, I want to go to Pebble Beach so badly. And then you'd like, look at the pricing and you're like, okay, well, I'm definitely going to go there at some point, but that's not going to be like my, my everyday trip. And so these golf courses under a hundred, I feel like that's what like launched us is that people saw our page and they were like, oh, I can golf at these sick places and I don't need to spend 600 bucks on a tee time. Um, and that, like, we still, now that we've grown a little bit, we'd love to just highlight Pebble and like Bandit and all of these other great big courses. But uh, I think our identity is still in that under 100. Like, you can golf for cheap or relatively cheap, right? Like, golf isn't, isn't the cheapest sport by any means, but I think that that's something that really helps our page and, and our community love is, is being able to golf affordably. That's very cool. Bo's first. So Bo's like, he called it poor man's pebble beach. It was Pacific Grove. I think that was our first post that got put on desire. Is that correct, Bo? It, it, we've now had a few dire posts. Uh, it could be that, uh, yeah. we've had, yeah, quite, I think Pacific Grove. Which one did you see, one Andrew? That, like launched us. Yeah. I don't even remember which course I saw. Um, I don't like, I was kind of like, I have a weird way of consuming content on Instagram. I'm very like, I, I scroll through things quickly and I just, I just remember like the way that you guys were talking about the course and then the way that it was edited and shot. And I was like, this is cool. And I've never seen this before. Like, and I didn't even, I was like, I don't know what course you're talking about, but like, I have to like, I kind of like was in a, was in a weird zone. And I was like, I love what these guys are doing. So I kind of got distracted. I didn't need to go back to your page. But I think that's a really cool premise, this idea of like there are, there are many places out there and that are, really, to your point, really expensive and really great, like a pebble, don't get me wrong. But for some reason, and I understand like just from a golf industry, like, like, we, like there doesn't need to be another person telling me how awesome pebble is. We know pebble is awesome. We know Augusta is awesome. Uh, on, on one of our older podcasts, Adam and the team, we were talking about uh, Pine Valley, right? Which is, I guess, it's always number one on every list, but like, but you can't get on it. So at a certain point, it's like, and this is my weird, this is my weird hot take. I have many hot takes about this that we'll get into. But like, at a certain point, what's the point of talking about these courses if they're so inaccessible to the average golfer? Like, you telling me that like, okay, imagine if there was a restaurant list of here are the best restaurants in New York City, right? And, you know, the top 25 were on the list. You can't, one, you can't even get a re reservation. And we're not even talking about, you know, you have to wait six months. It's like, you you can't get in unless you know, 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 know a person, right? And sometimes that way of doing things is fun. But like, for me as a New Yorker to continue with this like weird restaurant path that I'm going down is that. I like as a New Yorker, I tend to stay away from those like hot spots of places that get written up. Oh, this is the best new pot spot in New York because nine times out of 10, 
they're good, but they're not great. And all of the hype that goes into getting a table and like waiting and like all the drama most of the time doesn't really pay off versus like you finding to your point, this like affordable, reasonable, high quality, like great experience. You can walk in. It's not a big deal. I think that that way of uh, thinking about golf courses is, is really refreshing. So anyways. Yeah. I was going to say too, like we've kind of found that same thing. We started to do some bucket list courses and do like quicker videos to see if those would hit. And we saw the same thing. It's like, people don't want to see that crap. They, they, they know about it already. They, they know they want to go play there someday, but they'd rather see the hidden gems that, you know, they, that they might not know about. Totally. It's true. I also have not played Pebble and I have, I kind of don't really have an interest to be honest with you. Sorry, Pebble Beach. That is a hot take. Look, don't, don't get me wrong. Like if I am, if I am putting together my own golf trip and just as me, I am like, an average golfer, I'm a 12 handicap. Like I just want to go out there and play and, you know, play bogey, bogey golf and shoot high eighties. And I'm happy. Like if I'm planning a trip to California, Oh, I want to go to Monterey. I just don't, because of like all of the layers that go into doing it, you have to stay at the resort. You have to do this. You have to do that. At for me at the end of the day, like a round of golf shouldn't cost, like I'm you're, you're spending almost a thousand dollars and like, it's going to, it's going to be beautiful. Like no, no shade whatsoever. It's going to be amazing. It's you're going to have an awesome time, but I think the one, the pressure that you're going to put your, put at yourself, it's like, I've spent all this money. I have to have an amazing day here. So you're, you're already stressed out number one. And then number two, uh, all of the money that you spend. Right. And you know, you're going to play like crap. Right. So all of these things together, it's like, are, is, is the value there? I don't know. Um, I went to uh, last thing I'll say is I went to uh, Scotland a buddy of mine, like we went over a few years ago um, and we, where did we play? We played some random courses, like a place called Craigie Law. And then we drove around a bit. And uh, thank you for driving, Jamie. Um, I did not drive on that trip because I didn't have my license or whatever. Um, but um, the Craigie Law and like we played a, Kings Barnes and a couple other places. And then we just entered the lottery for St. Andrews because we tried, right? Um, and it was a great experience. We played Carnoustie, which was... I. It was like the worst round of my life. I'd never want to go there again. I played so bad and that course is so hard. And, um, but my favorite course, like, and this is my favorite course in the world, uh, is a course called Crail. It's down the street from St. Andrews. It's low key, no drama, something about it. And it's hard to describe. It wasn't like exquisitely designed. The pro shop was like this little weird old hut. Like it was kind of like, you know, janky but like i love everything about that place and just the setup and like it was low-key and i i think that more of that energy is what golf needs but i think it's interesting that you guys are basically doing that and bringing it to the masses and you're seeing it and it's working so pe people are digging it definitely and and kind kind of going back to that pebble beach thing and bone i were talking about this the other day actually it's, it's always two things for me it's one Okay, what if you you plan this months in advance? You spend all this money. It's like a thousand night to stay there, plus six hundred dollars for the green fee, whatever it is. What if you get dicked by the weather? Like, right. you can't. It, it's it's downpouring rain. You're still going to go out, but you're spending all that money. I want like a bright sun, <laughs> sun shiny day. Right. And the second thing is, is like you think about the money you spend there, and you you think like, okay, for all the money I put into this, how many other golf courses could I have played at throughout this trip? four, yes. five, six, seven, eight rounds at other amazing golf courses that are less than half the price. Five so it's like, clubs. 
Yeah, you can do so many different things with that money. And it's like Pebble Beach would be euphoric for sure. And it's it's it'll always be a bucket list. It'll always be famous for what it is. But right. I think for common people like me who, you know, just love to get out there and will never, I don't know, hopefully one day I'll be able to be comfortable enough to afford a $1,500 round. But um, I don't know. I just, you have to ask yourself if it's worth it or not. Yeah, I agree. And I'm at the point where it's like, if I ever had that much money, like if somebody said, hey, Andrew, here's five grand, like spend it however you want to spend it. And on that on that list would not be a fifteen hundred round like dollar round of golf. It just it just wouldn't. Like I'm just I'm not that guy. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. So I love to switch gears a little bit and talk about um, similar, but like just thinking about equipment in golf. In some regards, with equipment, there is this idea of mindset that in some instances that like the more you spend, one or uh, the brands that that may have more marketing than others. And it's all of these things together. It isn't always this like, you know, black and white equation. But sometimes in golf and in equipment, these br- more brands that spend more or do more like tend to be the ones that people feel like they have to have in their bag. And I think in some regards, that mindset and approach to golf is changing. Like, for example, I played golf with this guy, um, this dude named Jack um, that I met. Really cool dude. Guy from from the UK, just moved to Brooklyn. And he had like a Japanese brand irons, I forget Fuji core or something, uh, but really sick wedges, like a brand that I had never heard of. Um, and then he also plays a mix set, um, a mix set and a half set. So he doesn't even play a whole bag of clubs. He had uh, like an older driver in his bag. He was talking about like adding a persimmon because he just like likes it. Um, but I think that is completely the end, not the antithesis, but it's very different from what a lot of the mainstream golf brands, you know, want you to do. Like, I think golf marketing as a whole, I'm not trying to like point at any specific brands, but golf marketing as a whole, when it comes to equipment has started this like wave of, you got to get all the new stuff. And sometimes that may or may not be true. And I think there's a lot of guys out there like, you know, you know, guys know Cole from Metalwood Studio. Um, He's like a, he loves vintage stuff. And that's just kind of like part of his whole vibe. And he believes in this ethos of like, you don't have to spend two grand to build a good golf bag. You can spend 500 bucks. So I'm just, does that make sense what I'm saying? Just like, but you guys are bringing that thought process to courses. So in terms of like what you guys play or, or your ethos to, to equipment, like, you know, how do you guys see it? Totally. So in, in my opinion, you don't always need the newest, baddest, most expensive thing, right? Like, especially if you're a double digit handicap, right? Get yourself some, um, what do they call them? Like the game improvement clubs, you know, some of the thicker, some of the fatter ones, uh, don't be dumb. Don't get blades. Right. And they can be a few years old, right? I'm not saying now I firmly believe if you have like 15 or 20 year old hand-me-downs, you should probably upgrade. You should probably get new clubs. But if we're talking anywhere in like the five to 10 year range and you're a weekend warrior, you don't need to spend a thousand dollars right? You need to get out there. You need to get lessons. You need to, um, you know, that's, that's easier said than done for myself. I mean, I, for one, have a Scotty Cameron putter and I still three to four putt every green I see. So, <laughs> um, you know, it, it's all just personal preference. Some people like the more expensive stuff, the name brand stuff that they're confident with that they see people on TV using and, and that's why they like it. And others, you know, don't care. I think it's all about the kind of person you are. So that's fair. What do you guys think? Yeah. Um, so 
How old is too old, Noah? 15, 20 years? Yeah, I would say that's too old. Is that he's at 15? No, now, right? Vintage? Can we say <laughs> I'm a vintage guy now with my clothes? Yeah. So I've got some, uh, some unintentionally vintage from my dad <laughs> that I, I still, I'm like in the process of trying to upgrade these right now. I've been fitted a few times, trying to figure out what new clubs to get, but I'm using um, some old tailor made tour preferreds from like 2007. Um, and a tailor-made burner driver. So like, Hey, I'm like trying to figure out if I want to spend thousands of dollars on clubs, get a new set that I can, you know, use for the next 10 to 15 years again, or get some lessons. I'm like, man, what if I just paid for lessons and got better with the clubs that I have now? Yeah. You can go into any, I don't know about golf galaxy, but some of these local shops, they always have like a lineup of used clubs that are in pretty good shape for half the price of what something new costs. It might be um, a couple years old. It might be missing like an approach wedge or, or a random club out of the bag, but um, 100% worth it and 100% a better deal than, than throwing $1,200 on these new ones. Yeah. Well, that's the thing too, because new irons are what? Fifteen, fourteen hundred dollars now. A new driver is another five to six, seven hundred dollars. A new three wood. So it's like you get done buying a set, you're you gotta find more money to pay for your house, you know. <laughs> so it's like that's why I'm like trying to wait. I was literally at Golf Galaxy the other day with Bo and Noah. We were we were all in Nashville, and uh, they saw me hitting on the machine, and you know the guy trying to fit me with clubs, and I was shanking them left and right. I'm like, it's not even worth getting fitted at this point. It's like I might get lessons. Right. They they say that though, Andrew, and they say like, hey, be at the game improvement. I had a crappy old set and then I just upgraded my irons, but I haven't gotten to the wedges yet. I need to upgrade them. These guys give me more. They give me more crap than anybody I've ever golfed with on my (laughs) stupid wedges. wedges. I want to replace them. Don't get me wrong. But uh, these guys can be crap every time we go out and play and I'm using those. But my irons are, are fresh now. They're nice. That's funny. Wait, so what wedges do you have? They are the bomb tech. Like, man, I got, I think it's like three for like a hundred bucks back in the day. So Fantastic. there's literally like no, no weight to them. So it's a, <laughs> it's a good excuse for if the shot's not good. Which is fine. We just give him crap because he's our friend. We're not actually like, we, I don't hate on any. <laughs> any club of course yeah right you gotta you gotta bust his boss a little bit that's exactly it's hilarious too because i think cameron posted a while back a picture or a video with him using a a kirkland glove from costco Mm -hmm. and he got torn to shreds in the comments people were not having it it was hilarious and that's like that's all i use because how where else can you get four gloves for 15 bucks look here's here's the thing about kirkland right and i live in new york there is a costco but like I don't know where it is. I'm like, I can't get there. But like, do you guys remember the hype when they dropped that ball? And like, everyone was like, it's basically like a pro V and like, it's right. It's the same thing. And like, I do understand because I've seen a little bit of this just from like working in marketing and random stuff is that uh, a, a lot of like the back of house, like when brands are made and products are made, like, don't get me wrong. Titleist makes a fantastic golf ball. It's one of the best golf balls out there. So maybe a golf ball is not the best comparison point. Uh, 
but like for apparel or, you know, other like random things, a lot of these brands are using and sourcing very similar pieces and tools. And a lot of people uh, don't understand or see what happens when you make a thing and then they just add a logo to it on the factory, right? And I'm not crapping on anybody, but I'm just, because brands are still saying, okay, this is, we want to use this fabric and this is our pattern and this is our approach and we're going to add this little touch here. But I think it's interesting, like there's this random guy, this is a not golf comparison, but there's this guy on Instagram where I don't even know his handle, but I've seen him like, he'll deconstruct like a very expensive thing. Like he'll say, hey, I have this Louis Vuitton wallet and I'm going to take it apart and break it down to really like understand what is this, is there value here? Like, is it made well? Like what's the material hold up? And nine times out of 10, he's like, okay, this is decent. But when you actually really see the value of the actual goods and then the value of the brand, it's really interesting to see how those things compute because it's not, it's not always 50-50. Like sometimes you're paying more for a brand than you're actually paying for like what it costs to make a really good product. And it, to your point, like it depends on per, personal preference. And I also think sometimes brands do inspire confidence. Like when you know that, you know, a bunch of guys that you saw on TV are using XYZ, that makes you feel a certain way. And sometimes in golf, that's enough. You know what I mean? So it's just, it's very interesting. It's, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. that's crazy. I actually went to school for marketing. And so uh, we we talked a lot about that in our advertising classes. And it's like, for example, Apple, me and my wife always joke that it's like the best thing ever to open a new Apple product. It's the same like thing. Every time you undo the tape a little bit, you open up the little case that it comes in and it's just like such a good feeling. And yeah, a lot of that's just branding. For sure. It's, it's important. Branding works. Uh, I mean, we love branding here at Fair Game. One of the things, just to note out about Apple for a second, and this is, I find this stuff so fascinating, but like, when I used to work at this uh, website called Gear Patrol and like our editor in chief was like really into this stuff, but like the thought and the thought that goes into designing an Apple box, they, it's so thoughtful even down to when you open the box and the suction that's created from the top lid to the bottom lid, like the time that it takes to open it up, like there's this moment of anticipation that builds, like just those little things that people don't really realize and think about. Someone thought about that stuff and it's cool because it, it like adds to the overall experience. You're so, making me feel it right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we've all, we've all been there. Like you open the box and just like that little, like that, like suction, it's not too strong suction. So you're not like, it's not stuck. You can feel it and, you, and you're like, it's almost there, right? Just like, just those little things are dialed in, which I think is just cool. Taking off the plastic, just yeah, right off the iPhone. Oh, there's yeah. nothing like it. All, all that stuff works. So um, where, so locally, where you guys are, like, uh, we won't do favorites, but like, what type of courses are you guys playing like locally? Are you guys members anywhere or do you just like play a bunch of public golf? Like, what's your vibe? No, we're... We're all municipal courses, pretty much. Um, there's a few like not state-owned courses that are nice, close-ish. Um, they're pretty pricey though, so we just we stick with a couple. There's one where Cameron lives in Spring Hall called Toey. We're out there all the time, and then kind of just all around the the Nashville Nashville area. So anything uh, anything cheap, anything close. Yeah, cheap and close is cool. I like I like that vibe. Same thing for me. I'm not a member anywhere. And like, it's just, I, I also prefer to bounce around. I like the flexibility. Cameron, what was the name of the, the New York course you, you highlighted the other day? Uh, 
You said it was nicknamed Van Vanny, but in the comments, nobody said they call it Vanny. Van Cortland. Van Cortland. Oh, Vanny? Yeah. Uh, it is called Vanny. Well, yeah. The, I think that's like a local term, but no one really says it. Everyone says Van Cortland. But I know I met, so there's one, or there's like a couple golf stores in New York, but there's like one main golf store called New York Golf Center. And uh, I met a really cool dude there um, uh, named Jay. He's one of the fitters. And I just go to the store and like hang out and shoot the shit with him. But Jay used to be the head pro at Vanny. Um, so he's he knows that place like the back of his hand. And like there's a lot of history there. Like Babe Ruth has a locker supposedly and all that fun stuff. But I've been there one time, which is probably sad for a New Yorker. Um, but I went there one time. I just showed up one day randomly. I think it was maybe like a Friday or something. This was years ago. And I haven't I got I had a very bad experience and I never went back, but it was cool. So here's what happened. So I got there, I checked in, it was super busy, as all New York courses are. It's also one of the only ones, it is the closest New York course to the subway. So you can take the one train and like walk, which in New York City as a golfer. Most of them are out of range where you either have to like take the subway to the last stop or get in an Uber or, or like a whole thing. But this is like put in your two bucks and get on the train and like you can get there with your bag and go play golf. So all the New Yorkers go there. Um, so And it's packed all the time and it's reasonably priced. So I get there and I remember I probably played like, I don't know, nine or ten holes. And there was a group of six playing in front of me. And the pace was the pace was so slow. Like I don't even remember the course because you're you're waiting like 15 minutes in every shot, which is just not fun. And I just remember like leaving and like never I was like, this is stupid. But the course you was can't cool. play that way either because golf is it's a rhythm game. Yes. I can't go hit a ball, get confident. I'm ready to hit my next tee shot. Now I gotta wait 20 minutes. Right. Can't do it. Waiting. Yeah. So I have to go back. My Jay has told me multiple times, like you have to go back and play. I will do it. It's on my list to do. But yeah, it's a fun track, but it's packed. How many courses are in the, I guess, metropolitan area or close-ish there in New York? Hmm. Oh, like that are public? Yeah. There's a decent amount. Uh, I call this course called Marine Park, like my home course. It's in Brooklyn. So there's Marine Park. There's Forest Park in Queens. There's Diker Beach in Brooklyn. Uh, there's, let's think of what else there's Pelham Bay park in the Bronx. There's split rock in the Bronx. Um, there's some other ones. There's one called Casena in Queens. Um, what else? Those are, and and I'm probably missing. There's one called Clearview in Queens. That's always backed up as well. Um, but yeah, there's like seven, seven to 10 that are around the city. Um, so I tend to go around, but I like, for me, I, I go to Marine park the most, uh, because it is the, uh, the only course the only public course in the city that has a driving range. It's not even a long range. Uh, you can you can only hit like up to like a long iron there. Uh, but I am not a good golfer. And like the idea of riding the subway or driving and then getting out of a car and going to the first tee is not a good look. Like I need to, I need to understand what's happening. I need to have some sense of damage control. So Marine, car, Marine Park for that reason is my home course. We'll have to check that out. Uh, Bo Cameron, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we were looking at our analytics the other day and I think like our top percentage of followers, they actually are from New York. Really? Cameron, can you uh, fact check that? I don't remember. I, I think it's one of, the, one of the top. Yeah. It's not a huge percentage, but right. definitely it, based off of cities and locations, it's up there. 
Really? That's interesting. Yeah, because I was going to ask, like, just with your overall audience, where you think those people are. My guess was that you guys would have a fairly even spread across the nation. Yeah, yeah. and we do. It's like everywhere in yeah. the U.S. Most. Yeah, I'm actually looking at it right now. Um, yeah, the top cities, New York. Uh, we got L.A., Chicago. But yeah, top countries, U.S., we got 70% in the U.S. Interesting. U.K., Australia. Do you guys ever see, like, expanding just the platform like, do you, do you see yourself going globally, like more, more countries one at a time? Like what's the vibe? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we definitely see that. So it, it's fun too, because as we've grown, we used to be able to reply to DMs so quickly. And like, now that we've grown, it gets really hard to reply to them, but like, man, we've got people in Australia that are like, Hey, I'm, I'm here. Do you have a course you can tell me to play at? Or like, New Zealand or, you know, like the UK all the time. And so we definitely want that. We want to get out and play this year. We really want to get out and play a lot together. And so we're going to, we're going to play a lot in the United States, but there are a couple of courses in Canada. We've been eyeballing and, and Mexico. So, and then we'll eventually get to the other half. I know there's, there's some courses in, in New Zealand and throughout the world we want to go to, but yeah, we're definitely planning on, on highlighting those, but it, They'll, they won't come as much as the U.S. courses, but we want to highlight them. For sure. That's awesome. Uh, do you guys have, um, and you don't have to give us all of the secret sauce because you can give it all away. Is there like a process that you follow in terms of, okay, if we're going to highlight a course, is there a checklist? Like what, what parameters does a course have to, to meet to make, to make your list? I think it's funny because obviously – we have not played every single one of these courses that we've highlighted. We do get a lot of recommendations, which is awesome. So usually when we get a recommendation or we're looking for a course, we do a lot of research on the course, on the course website. Um, maybe we go see a couple of YouTube videos of the course to like check out, see how the course actually looks in person, right? Because since we can't necessarily fly everywhere. Um, so we got, we got to see if it has good videos on YouTube. And usually that's, that's a pretty big parameter. It's like, does it have a good flyover video on YouTube that we could use? Sorry, we, we use YouTube videos. We don't, like I said, we don't go there and, and make the videos ourselves. Sure, that yeah. is something that we Not are playing. Yet. You know? Not yet. Not yet. Right. That is in the cards for hopefully this year. We can start doing more of those on the course videos. But for right now, um, yeah, if they've got a really solid video that we can use, um, we dive a little bit deeper. We, we go, you know, check out and see if there's any accolades that the course has, right? You know, you know um, we highlight a lot of courses that, golf digest or golf magazine, you know, uh, says it's like a top 10 course in whatever state or whatever it may be. Um, and so if there's good talking points and good accolades for the course, then it's usually, you know, something that we could, we could do. Yeah. Nice. We're always, I feel like we're always trying to think of how we can evolve to, right? Like a few months back when we were posting two videos a day, we do like, okay, guys, we have, you know, one short video for the morning and you know, kind of whatever, if you want to do a whole highlight at a, at a course or a unique golf course, something kind of like different than the traditional course highlight we do, do that in the morning. And then we'll do our traditional course highlight, you know, um, in the evening. And that has to be, you know, under hundred dollars this week. And next week it's, we just kind of have different parameters depending on like the timing and, and all that different stuff. So it, it really just depends. Nice. We've also started to try to do a little bit more to like, keep, keep everybody engaged. Like, uh, I did one on Dave's house, his backyard. Mm -hmm. You can play it for 20 grand. 
<laughs> quite the expense. So like nobody's actually going to do that, but the guy's backyard is insane. And like Noah has our most viral post so far was on an Airbnb that there's a golf course at. I think it's got 4 million views and that's just on our platform, not including like TikTok. And so, uh, yeah, we're, we try to, we're also trying to keep it interesting. And of course, like value is always big too. Like, is it something, if somebody's going to fly there or do something, we want it to be good for them. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I remember that was the video that I saw. It was the Airbnb house. Oh, the Airbnb one. That's insane. Right. Huh? <laughs> right. I was like, what? And I was like, this is, a, this exists. I was like, this is a golf. This is a gem. And like, I'm sure it's fine. The course is probably not amazing, but just imagining going on a trip with your crew and everything's there like that, that takes so many layers of complication and like stress and drama out of a golf trip. We are at the course. Your friends that are always late can't be late. Like just, just get here and bring your bag and your sticks and like, let's go. So that's cool. Sun up to sundown too. Like you don't have to worry about pace of play. You don't got to worry about anything. If somebody wants to go and have lunch or keep playing, like at your discretion, I think that's like the coolest thing about it. Yeah. That's epic. They have freaking golf carts there multiple. And so <laughs> yeah. if your friend's late in the morning, like, Hey, meet me on number three or whatever. And so they can just meet you out. Really? I don't know if you saw this too, Andrew, but they're like, they're expanding. They're adding an Island green, like a little mini. TPC Sawgrass, 17th hole. Yeah. They must be, they must be doing well. <laughs> I, I think they are. I think After they, the post. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <hopefully. laughs> you know, we got a lot of hate for that too. Cause it's like, Oh, the price went up 2000 since you posted this. <laughs> You're like, sorry, it's not our fault. Right. Just the messengers. You're trying to share cool things with you guys. For sure. Random question. Do you guys know how many holes Tiger Woods has in his backyard? No clue. I think it's three or four. Yeah. Right. But but I was curious. I was like, do you think Tiger would ever put that on Airbnb? It's like, when I'm not home, if you guys want to roll through and just play, it's a quick three-hole loop. I also saw somewhere that there is a there's a tee box, which shows you, like, I mean, we would all do this if we had the resources. I think there is a tee box from, like, his bedroom or something where he can hit balls out, like, into the yard. And... I feel like if, if Tiger Woods' house was on Airbnb, I would, and I had stupid money, that is probably one of the things that I would pay stupid money for, just to like stay there for a week and like hit a golf ball. I think that would be rented out for the next 10 years. <laughs> like, I don't think, yeah. like, I think we'd go like that. That sounds yeah, that's, like our next video idea. That's, that's probably true. You're right. It would, it would be sold out for five years straight. Like, and it, there would be lots of fine print on Airbnb. It's like, by the way, half of the house is locked. Like these rooms are, these rooms are not accessible to you because you guys are absolute savages and uh tiger's not moving his stuff around. His, his, yeah. Trophy room. I don't know. Like the basement, whatever the garage, like there's just like, you can only go the kitchen upstairs and maybe the living room. And like, that's it. But I think guys would do that. And it's not even like a big course. It's just like, I stayed at Tiger Woods house and like hit a pitching wedge off of his balcony. That's sick. Yeah. So did you guys see, and I'm just remembering random stuff. There was, I saw it on Instagram again, because Instagram's awesome. There was this like golf hotel, that concept of, are, is that real? Are they opening? I don't know, Cameron, you showed me that, I think. Yeah, I, I think they're going to open. I think it's real. It's like, it's like a top golf a hotel. Yeah. Just right outside your individual. Yes. Yeah. No, I saw that. It looks 
sweet. I would definitely go there. Um, <laughs> I don't know what the liability is like if for someone falling off of the 10th floor, I don't know how high it is. Like <laughs> They better have some safety precautions there. Where, where was true. it? Where is it? I have no idea. I, I think it's like a, I don't know if it's in production quite yet or not, but I think I saw like red rings of it or something. Yeah. Yeah, the is that, is that the one that Tiger and Rory are making? I don't know. I actually did hear about that, but I think that's on something different. That's like that. That I think they're making a TV show out of it, like the reality golf game. Oh, the TGL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a whole thing. Yeah, that's supposed to come out. I think next year. And that's like, I mean, no one really knows like the ins and outs of it, but it's supposed to be arena style. And I'm assuming it's going to be sim like if you go to their website it's not super clear it looks like there's simulators and there's like an audience and then there's like in the middle there's like bunkers and like a green so this is my guess and i don't know um my guess is that they're gonna have like they're gonna play a hole maybe there's like some like contest or whatever and like they're gonna use the sim and then if they're doing like short game or if you go in the bunker like maybe you're gonna have to go over to the real bunker because we all know like bunker shots and putting in the sim is not great so like i could i could see them figuring out like some type of like hybrid model like tiger bombs a drive and he's like oh tiger you you know you hooked one in the left bunker like time to walk over to the bunker and he walks over to the bunker and then he has to like the tricky part to figure out is going to be how are they going to like figure out lies like is he going to have to plug his ball does he have to like drop it like is it a knee-high drop into the bunker like that part is i think is going to be interesting and then with the putts like you know, not every green is the same. So like, what are they, is it just for distance? Are they like calculating breaks? I know they have that like weird machine. I think Jason Day has it in his house where like it changes to putts. So are they going to have some mega green that adjusts to, okay, Tiger hit the green, it's on the left side. And like, we we know the putt from here to here is 20 feet and the break does this to this. Are they going to like sink it in and they could just does it in real time? They probably could, but Yeah. It's going to be wild. Yeah. I feel like I heard a lot about mm-hmm. it like a while back, but I haven't heard much of it since. Yeah. So I think they're still trying to like figure it out, recruit players and whatnot. But yeah, but that'll be an interesting concept to watch. So I'm here to like enjoy any and all forms of golf. I know that um, who did a story about this? Was it Golfer's Journal? I'm forgetting who it was. But like simulator golf is massive in Asia. It's a whole big thing. There's like leagues and like people sit there and like watch it. So like, you know, I would, I would watch you know, pros and Adam Scott or whoever go play some golf and just strike balls. Cause I'd be curious to see like when I hit a good shot in the sim, which is, you know, the conditions are great. I'm like, Oh, I'm in, I'm in two feet of rough and I just smashed a seven iron, like one, one ninety, and I'm feeling so good. I'd be curious to see what, what the pros do. So anyways, are you guys ready for your top three courses? Yes. I think, yeah. Just to repeat the rules. Top three courses under $100. $100 could mean Twilight. Um, anywhere in the country or the world. But yeah, who wants to go first? Oh, I will lead us oh. off. Because my, my first one... <laughs> my first one is the very first post that we ever made on uh, courses you need to play. So I, I also will add... To not only can it be twilight, but it can also be off-season twilight. Oh, that's that's interesting. I like it. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the the number one is Sand Hollow, 
in St. George, Utah. So if you're, if you go during the dead of summer, you can get on for less than a hundred bucks because it's hot outside. So I, I think we have to do that one. I think I have to say Pacific Grove Golf Course. It's right next to Pebble Beach. Front nine we hear isn't special, but back nine is ocean views. Awesome. So I'm going to have to go with that one. And then the last one, I'm, I'm actually going to go with four. Uh, three is Beth Page Black in New York. Always wanted to play that. Um, you can get on for under 100 in Twilight. Have you played that, Andrew? Uh, it's extreme. Yes. I love I love Beth Page Black. I get absolutely murdered every time I go there. Uh, but I love it. It's it's one of my favorite courses to play. And uh, fun fact, it is my favorite simulator course to play. Something about it, like when I go down when I go down in the sim, uh, it's I like um, I like playing courses that I have some sense of like familiarity with, um, and. Yeah, I don't know why. For some reason, I just like I, it's. I think for me, it's a combination of that. Like I played there in real life, and then it's. I just, I just know it. So then, like when I'm in the sim, it's not like I have the course memorized, but like there's just something about that course. Because every time I'm setting up a sim round, I'm like scrolling through the list, and I'm like, oh, do I want to play like Bay Hill? And I'm like, no. I'm like, I, I literally go back to Beth Page every Beth time. Beth Page, where <laughs> right. I live. Where I live, I want to, yeah, exactly. I want to play the course that I can drive to, not the place on the other side of the road, because I'm weird like that. That's a good That's a good three. Who wants to go next? Wait, no, whoa, did you have a fourth? Oh, yeah, the fourth. Tell us the fourth. I'm going to break the rules, Andrew, just because this one's so good, is Lofoten Links in Norway. It was a Christmas post this year. There have been YouTube highlights of it from some big YouTubers. Absolutely insane. You can go play golf all day and then see the Northern lights at night and you can get on for under a hundred bucks. So we're hoping to go there as a team at some point. I like it. That sounds fun. That's a solid four. All right. Who's up next. All right. I'll go. I'll start off. So I was born and raised in, in Phoenix in Gilbert about 30 minutes South. And I will say like Bo said with uh, soldier hollow um, or sorry, sand hollow or soldier Bo. Anyways, sand hollow, sand hollow. Anyways, you can play, any course in Phoenix in the dead of summer in like July when it's 115 out for like 50 bucks, any course that's TPC Scottsdale, any course, which is amazing. If you can brave the heat, mm -hmm. um, a lot of people can't. So, but my advice is do because you get the opportunity to play courses. You can't like anytime. Um, so number one in Scottsdale is Wacopa. It's the, the Choya course. Um, it's phenomenal. It's got beautiful desert landscape. It, again, this is the twilight or the summer rate. You can get on there easily for a hundred bucks. Um, my second one is Coronado in San Diego, um, that little island of Coronado just off the coast. Um, it's got a golf course there and it's like ocean views on every hole. It's beautiful. I feel like not a lot of people know about it and that's why it's so cheap or because it was in great condition. Like it was beautiful. No mm. complaints about it at all. It was great. Um, but that was like 50 bucks in prime season like i was so surprised when i when i played there um third one i'm taking i know what cameron's gonna say but it's it's sweetens cove this one's a little over 100 bucks and it's only nine holes it's in like south pittsburgh tennessee it's like three hours away from us in nashville but it's you, you pay a fee and you play sun up to sundown nonstop, and they only let a certain amount of people on the course throughout the day i'll let cameron expand on it more but incredible course you have to check out if you haven't heard of it 
And I'm actually going to do, I'm going to pull a bow. I'm going to go four because I think Utah has some of the most underrated golf. I will die on that hill. Every course is always <laughs> in great condition. It's beautiful. It's in the mountains, but Mountain Dell in Salt Lake City up Parley's Canyon is, is one of my favorite courses of all time. And it's super cheap to play there. Nice. That's good. I think Cameron, I think you have to do four now, by the way. Uh, yeah, I'm looking for a fourth right now. Uh, well, the funny thing is, two of mine got taken. So um, I was looking you for can re- Look, re- repeats are fine. You can do a repeat. Repeat's fine. Yeah. I would say my number one, luckily they're all in different orders here. My number one is Sweden's Cove. I was actually just looking on their website right now to make sure that it was kind of around the $100 mark. It says starting at 100 bucks if you play during the winter. So Great. grass is a little dead. Hey, but me and Noah played it. When we played December 16th. December. September 16th. Mm. Yeah, that was the date. It is to this day the coolest course that I've ever played. And it was dead of winter. So nice. That is definitely number one. It's like right about a hundred bucks. If you want to play all day, it's like 125, but we played 27 holes that day for 125 bucks. So yeah. um, and like Noah mm. said, it's a nine hole course, but they have two pins on each green. Mm-hmm. So you can go and play one pin for the first round. Next nine, you play the other pin. Next nine, you can like switch off between the two, whatever you hit closest to, whatever you want to do. Nice. Um, so definitely Sweetens Cove is number one. Number two, I had Sand Hollow. Um, again, great course. Um, honestly, like the rock formations there and the just the, the southern Utah landscape is insane. I actually lived in St. George, uh, right where that is. So y- you can't really beat that landscape. Um, Number three, I have Arrowhead Golf Club in Colorado. Mm-hmm. So it's voted number one golf club in Colorado, I think by Golf Digest or somebody. Um, but it is the number one photographed course, I think, in the world, or top 10 photographed course in the world or something like that. It has insane wow. rock formations all throughout the course, not like Southern Utah rock formations, other rock formations. Um, and it's just, it just has insane views. Um, and then I think number four is Wild Horse in Nebraska. Oh, yeah, for sure. It is one of those hidden gem courses that is like, you know, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it, but it was, I, I actually did a video on it recently within, you know, a couple of months ago, maybe. Um, and it was built by like the farmers of the town. And, you know, they raised money for it and all that sort of thing. And it has, cool. you know, just, it's kind of like in the rolling planes kind of course. It's really awesome. And you can definitely get on there for under hundred bucks. Nice. While you were talking, I was Googling Sand Hollow. San, this is insane. Oh, nuts. Have you never heard of Sand Hollow? I have never heard of Sand Hollow. This is, this is ridiculous. The, the bunkers have red sand. It is absolutely beautiful. There's this giant rock formation behind the clubhouse. I'm assuming this is coming in at 18. And like the clubhouse is the same color. It's wild. Where do you fly in to get here? No, you fly into St. George. It has a really small regional airport there. Um, or you could fly into Las Vegas or Salt Lake and take the drive. Got it's it. About it's two only hours two hours from Vegas. from Vegas, isn't it? Oh, two hours from Vegas? That's not that bad. It's yeah, two hours from bad. Vegas. Don't, if you have to fly into Salt Lake, but if you fly into Salt Lake, you're looking at like four hours. I was going to say, usually Got there's it. cheaper flights going into Vegas. Yeah. Like this is this is unbelievable. Like I want to play this course right now. It's like Mars. It, yeah, it's like Mars. Wow, that's, that's sick. now's a good time to play it too. This is yeah. when 
you're going to have good weather down there. Hopefully. I mean, it still can snow, but sure. Usually pretty warm. Yeah. Not mad at that. Let us know if awesome. you go down there. We'll join you. For sure. I, yeah, I have to, I'm like, wow, this is sick. Cause like, it's like, I like these places where it's like, no one's talking about it. It's just like low key fire golf. Like to me, these are like the really fun places to go. Yeah. This is ridiculous. Wow. Well, that was fun guys. That was it. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having us. That was a blast, Andrew. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this episode of the fair game podcast. If you haven't already, You can hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever service you may be using. We've also launched the Fair Game app, golf's first digital clubhouse, the place to play your game and connect with golfers across the country. You can find it in the App Store or on Google Play. You can also find us on Instagram at Fair Game Golf and check out some of our original videos on our YouTube page. You can find all these links in the podcast episode details. We'll see you next time.